Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it off in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the college basketball conference tournament betting preview part seven. It's the final part. We're going to cover the rest of the conferences that we have in yet. Big 10, MAC, A10, AAC. And the SEC. Joining me as always, as they do each and every Monday, BJ Cunningham, Mike Calabrese. What's going on, gentlemen? Mike, how are you? Doing great. I mean, we're getting into the thick of things. The the mid-major conference tournaments, I think, have provided just enough games to get you fired up for the main course here, which is conference championship week with all these, you know, big boys really buying more so for seating position, less those, you know, automatic bids, but still very exciting. And I can't wait to see what happens. Conference tournament you're looking forward to the most this week. Uh, I really do think the A-10, which was a conference that I'm covering here, but also, you know, in, in back in November, certainly had aspirations of being a multi-bid league, you know, three or four teams, maybe that has not come to fruition, but that doesn't mean that they can't turn it on and, you know, provide a really interesting and captivating tournament. And I think the way that it's laid out with Davidson, basically getting a red carpet, you know, to the semis. Uh, I think uh, we don't need to get to do it yet. We're going to get to the eight ten. 10 Sure. Yeah. But I think, I think it will be interesting. So that's my pick. Going with the obvious answer has his, uh, we'll see if you have, if you're going to throw a little, some change on St. Joe's. I hope not, but we'll see. Uh, BJ, what's going on, brother? Uh, hope all is well. And uh, which conference room are you looking forward to as an Iowa guy? Is it the Big Ten? I mean, yeah, I'm really looking forward to watching Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. But I say the most one I'm most excited for has to be the Mountain West. I think you have seven yeah, teams that can potentially win it. Uh, maybe even eight if you throw Nevada in there. So yeah, it's it's gonna that's if you want chaos, that is gonna be the ultimate chaos type tournament. And I honestly, one of those eight teams wins. I'm I'm not gonna sit back here and say, oh my gosh, that shocked me. You know, if Utah State goes all the way to the final wins, that's great. If Boise State runs the table, it's like okay, then then you know they're the best team. But man, what a wide wide open tournament that's gonna be. Yep. Anybody but San Jose State or Air Force, right? Can win that. Um. All right. Before we dive in, but and also Colin Wilson. Mr. Wilson is supposed to join us to talk some SEC, but apparently he's still taking notes. I I don't know. So he's late. We'll see if he ends up showing up. If not, I'll take care of the SEC. I, I, he's probably taking notes on the 90s, some stats from the 90s Arkansas team. Um, before we get into the conference survey previews, one takeaway from the weekend, high level. Michael, throw it to you first. If you can get access to any stats on half-court efficiency, I think it's useful for conference tournament and for March Madness coming up. Because you see the end of game scenarios, whether it's small conference or large conferences, just overcoached and so many reviews and so many, you know, extended timeouts where coaches really do get to, if, if they're good at it, draw up some really nice plays. You saw it in the BU Navy game where Navy was a team that 
for the first 30 minutes of that game were not executing very well offensively. And then they got a bunch of reviews. They got a bunch of, you know, fouls and timeouts and they ended up at the end of game and then in overtime executing on their home floor. So I think that's just an interesting thing to keep an eye on. If you have access to like a shot quality or something like that, to go in and dig through those stats and look for, you know, a top 30 team that may pop in the half court efficiency ratings. Uh, yeah. You mentioned, uh, yeah, the game has become uh, much more half court, especially in the final. And uh, if you like to, if you can bet early in recreational, bet low limits, just bet every conference tournament final under when the line first comes out, they're all going to crash. Uh, most of them go under, especially the open today. We had ULL Georgia state. I saw it open one thirty-seven and a half, And I said, Whoa, that's coming down. It's at one thirty-two now. Um, and we had, what's the other t- final tonight? A firm in Chattanooga open one forty-four. It's down to one thirty-seven. Uh, BJ, one big takeaway from the weekend? Yeah, well, uh, first of all, unfortunately, my uh, hometown Drake Bulldogs did not pull off the upset against Loyola. That was sad yesterday on Sunday. But the one big takeaway is that the Big Ten is now, we'll obviously talk about it, but it's going to be a very, very interesting tournament with some of the injuries, some of the teams down the board that are starting to catch fire here. As of late, the Michigan result against Ohio State was a little bit shocking. Iowa taking Illinois to the brink and probably should have you know, winning uh, gives them good chances in the Big Ten tournament. But my biggest takeaway is that it's just going to be a fun week. Uh, I'm really, really excited. You, you know, it's been about two years since we've had, you know, full conference tournaments without a, a pandemic. We're going to have full crowds. We're going to have oh, no games are going to get canceled. No games are getting postponed. So it's honestly just going to be a really, really fun week of college basketball for the first time, really, in three years. I think it's a good spot to transition to the first one. You mentioned the Big Ten. Let's start there with the Big Ten Conference Tournament. The Big Ten Conference. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. March 9th through the 13th in Indianapolis, 14 teams, double buys by Illinois, Rutgers, Wisconsin, and Purdue. Purdue is the favorite at plus 200. Illinois, plus 270. And then you got Iowa plus 440, even though they don't have a double buy. Interestingly enough, if they win, they would play Rutgers, who's 20 to 1. Rutgers did beat Iowa, but that was at home and there was a BS call. But uh, I was definitely getting some respect market for how they played recently. Wisconsin 10 to 1, and they're the two seed. That's a lot to do with uh, a bit of a bit fortunate, but without Johnny, if Johnny Davis out, uh, it's not even like an NIT team. Ohio State, who's been fading and has some injury concerns himself, 11 to 1. Sparty ah, just has not looked great down the stretch as well, 16 to 1. Michigan, 28 to 1. I assume Hunter Dickinson will be fine. He had a stomach illness who didn't play. And Indiana, 40 to 1. Those two teams play each other in the 8 9 game. Winner gets Illinois. So when I first look at this bracket, BJ, I mean, you know, I, I wanted to attack Wisconsin even before the Johnny Davis injury, but now, you know, the market is kind of reacted to it but there's no one I really love down there like I, I just think it's going to be Purdue getting to the final even though I think Purdue has serious flaws that kind of disqualify them as a national title contender the more I watch them like their perimeter defense their turnovers um, and then on the top half it's like I wanted Iowa but they at the price you probably get a better price doing a money line rollover Indiana Michigan could be a really good game two desperate teams the winner of that, I think maybe you can make a run, figuring out who's definitely going to win that game might be a key to the equation. And then my other thought is Rutgers 20 to one with the buy, like just from a price perspective, they might have the most value, but you really trust them away from the rack. Let's start at the top of the bracket or, or you can start high level. What are your thoughts on the big 10 bracket? Yeah, you mentioned it. Purdue should pretty much cruise here with the injuries to Johnny Davis. The latest report I saw is that he's optimistic to play in this tournament. So who knows? He's probably not going to be hundred percent, which obviously hampers Wisconsin greatly because without him, they're not, they're not a good team at all. Purdue. What's interesting about Purdue, you mentioned it. They do have some pretty serious defensive flaws, but they've also been pretty unlucky this season. You know, they've lost four times at the buzzer during big 10 play, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but Ohio state having uh, some injury concerns, you know, Kyle Young didn't play against Michigan. Who knows what his status is for the tournament. I, I really do think that that eight, nine matchup of Indiana, Michigan is where I would look as one of those two teams to potentially make a run. 
Indiana is really interesting at 40 to one for me. They, they do have the talent to potentially get past Michigan and then give Illinois some problems. The problem is they just haven't looked, you know, interested for a lot of the season. There's been some bad body language, some off the court issues, but it's still the number one team in the big 10 in adjusted defensive efficiency. They haven't been able to hit anything uh, on the offensive end of the floor, but Per shot quality, they're the number one team in the Big Ten in open three-point rate, but they're only shooting around 31% for the season. So if those shots can somewhat go down and they could potentially you know, run through and make a run here, uh, they you know Trace Jackson Davis is one of the best big men in the country. Parker Stewart, really good three-point shooter. Xavier Johnson, good point guard. They The game against Purdue was really encouraging this past weekend. They actually looked committed like they wanted to be there. They wanted to actually try and upset a rival 40 to one is, is a pretty good price for them. Uh, even though they do have to play Illinois in the next round, Illinois, it's very interesting because do I think they should get to the final? Yes, probably. Uh, you know, I, you can make a case that Iowa probably should have won that game on Sunday night, but you mentioned yes, it. The price, the, the, the price on Iowa is way too low. And I was really disappointed in seeing that this morning. I was kind of hoping we get them around eight, 10 to one. And cause like you said, they don't have, they don't have a buy. So uh, it's hard for me to play them, uh, especially at four to one Rutgers. I do agree with you from a price perspective, definitely does have some value getting that. Cause they beat all the top. I mean, now right. the, the, the caveat, it's always, it's at home. I mean, they won at Wisconsin, which was impressive, but yeah. you know, they beat Illinois, they beat Iowa, uh, they beat Purdue. Like that could be their path and they have a buy. They just have to win three games. They're going to grind games down. They're going to be in it. Um, it's just a matter of, do you trust them to win three games in a row away from the rack, which is maybe a tough ask. Yeah, it's, it, I think that's a little bit tough of an ask, but you're getting a good price to, to do so. So yep. for me, it's Indiana 40 to one, I think is a good price on a, on a pretty talented team, Michigan, uh, at 15 to one. What's weird about Michigan is if you look through the results, uh, it's just win loss. You can get to 28. There's 28 to one Michigan out there. If you find that, grab it. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's like a roller. It's just up and down, up and down, up and down. So I don't know what Michigan team you're going to get. You could get the, the talented Michigan team that everybody thought was going to, you know, cruise through the big 10. That was like the second best team in the country. You know, Dickerson Dickinson should be back for the big 10 term. I think it's just a stomach ailment against Ohio state. So it's definitely a team that can make a run and give Illinois a lot of problems. Cause I'm pretty sure Dickinson didn't play. In, in the meeting in Champaign against Illinois. So uh, I'd say, yeah, Michigan, Indiana, Rutgers is definitely where I'm looking. Purdue should cruise the final. So looking at that top half of the bracket, taking a shot on somebody, taking out Illinois, I think is the way to go in the Big Ten tournament. Mike, get any thoughts? I pretty much agree with the, the whole assessment there, although I will say Purdue, given Painter's track record in the Big Ten tournament, always I'm a little bit apprehensive to pencil them in to the semis, the finals, however far ahead you want to say that they're going to go, just because they play down to their competition. You know, Stucky basically laid out some of their, their issues and deficiencies as a team. So that, that's just my Purdue thoughts. Um, in addition to it, this is something I'd like to throw to you guys. If this game, or sorry, if this tournament was held at the rack, what do you think the odds that Rutgers would be to win it? Minus 500. Uh, <laughs> they'd probably be like, let's see, six, four, two. They'd probably be like five, like five to one. Would you say that's the biggest swing in terms of major commerce basketball for a single team that, you know, at least on paper should have a chance to win this tournament? Probably. I mean, the biggest, it would be, if you, if you argue that Colorado has a chance, it would be Colorado. They have the biggest home court and with the altitude and um, they would probably have the biggest swing going from Vegas to Colorado, but Rutgers is, is definitely up there from when you look at their, their splits this year from home versus away, they are a wagon at the rack. All right. That'll do it for the big 10. So we covered BJ's Iowa squad. Now we have to cover Mike's St. Joe's team and the A-10 tournament. Get a jump start on March with the Atlantic 10 Men's Basketball Championship jam-packed with college hoops action that's sure to deliver more fan frenzy than ever before. Atlantic 10 Conference Tournament Preview, March 9th through the 13th in D.C. at Capital One Arena. 14 teams are in it. Double buys by Davidson, Bonnies, 
Dayton and VCU. Dayton is the favorite, plus 290. Davidson, plus 360. The one seed, even though they lost at Dayton because VCU lost at St. Louis, VCU's plus 420. Bodding's around 5-1. to one. St. Louis, plus 750. Richmond, 10-1. to one. Mason, 18-1. to one. And then you got to kind of get into some, some of the dregs. Your Hawks never die, but they're probably going to die. Um, so the, the most, I think the most interesting storyline from the A-10, and I think Davidson is probably in the tournament at VCU probably, um, is that you have these two senior-laden teams in Bonnie's and Richmond that were a lot of people thought were going to be tournament teams this year that disappointed are not going to get at-larges. Is this a reset? Can either, you know, Bonnie's is, is trending up more so than Richmond to close the year. Depth is a big issue with them, though, which kind of scares me. But do either one of those teams kind of put it together here and steal a bid? What are your thoughts overall on the A-10 when you take a look at this bracket? So I'll start because you teed it up with, the, you know, Bonnies and Richmond because those are two teams that you have to take seriously. Um, the upside for the Bonnies is pretty simple. They limit turnovers, which in tournament play, you don't want to have those 12 to 15 turnover games that, you know, immediately throw you out of contention. They're efficient in transition. They attack the rim. As you mentioned, they've been hot down the stretch. Uh, eight of their last nine they've won, including a sweep of St. Louis. And Attaway's really picked it up, and that's kind of what they need from – a scoring perspective they need him to kind of carry the load and he's been able to do that as well as playing efficiently he's had multiple games with zero turnovers the downside is pretty simple they dare teams to shoot threes against them you know they give up nearly 26 three-point attempts per game um and that really brings in the variance question where it's like you know if a team hits 12 of those there's just no way in terms of the game plan and the way they like to play for the bonnies to, to rebound from something like that when you look at their path, though, they got St. Louis, they got Davidson in their way. That's not great. And I agree. Even But they though, did just look really good against St. Louis in two meetings, and they have a bye before, which is important for a team with, like St. Bonnie's, with no depth. And St. Louis will be playing on a back-to-back. Um, so definitely advantage Bonnie's there. I, this is just such an extreme example of no depth and trying to play that Iron Man starting five. Four of their five starters play 37 minutes plus. I, I don't think I've ever insane. seen anything approach that from really a coach's preference perspective. Um, but I would like to get into to Richmond just for a second. You know, when you look at the Spiders, they have, you know, so many super seniors and this veteran team, they're 32nd in shot quality, adjusted offense, 23rd in points per possession in the half court, something I mentioned earlier, where there's going to be a lot of those stoppages, those reviews, those can you execute in the final three to four minutes and win basketball games. They have that. They share the ball really well, seventh in assist to turnover ratio. So I love the fact that they don't beat themselves. And then the other element, they don't put teams on the line, which I really like in a tournament setting. There's, there's plenty of things to, to point to as well. You know, they were really close in two-point losses to VCU and Dayton, a three-point loss to Davidson. So you don't have to squint all that hard to see them as one of the top teams in the A-10. You know, they got snake bit a little bit in close games. And then finally, the big three, having Burden, Gilliard, Golden, you know, when you put them all together, they're scoring 44 points per game. So I like that it's a known quantity. It's really comes down to the number for me. They're plus 750 in most markets. If I could get eight to one, it may seem like splitting hairs. I want a little more value for, you know, looking at their path, which is on the right side of the bracket, at least in, in my estimation. Um, final thoughts, you know, Davidson has been so good this year, or so good in this tournament historically. And when you look at the way everything is lining up, I don't think they have a real threat until they get to the semis. And because of that, I think that they're going to be they're going to be a tough out, and I probably am going to play them at plus 350 if I can get them a little bit better. I mean, they're 25 and 5 on the year, and they only have one bad loss. No disrespect to BJ's Rhode Island team. That's the only one. They lost in the road to Rhode Island. All the other games they lost were to good teams. And in five of their last six games, they've held opponents to 62 points or less. So the pace, the way they like to play, is really jamming up teams. They're not, you know, being effective and speeding Davidson up. So because of that, goes right back to an elite half-court offense. If I'm going to play two, two teams here, I'm going to play both teams who are elite in the half-court, Davidson and Richmond at separate prices. Is your prediction Davidson wins this? Yes. I, I think Davidson is should be the odds-on favorite. They are not, so I'm going to go ahead and take advantage of that. BJ, who was your pick, by the way? That I should ask you. Who's your pick that's going to win it? Not uh, betting-wise, just who do you think is going to win the Big Ten? I didn't ask you the Big Ten. Who's oh, your uh, Purdue. 
I think Purdue's going to win the Big Ten. Illinois' path is, like we mentioned, a little too hard, and Purdue having that breeze, I think they should win the Big Ten. Um, Mike, so uh, yeah, I think you could find there's a I think there's a ten to one Rich, Richmond out there. Maybe it got hit, but I saw it last night. Um, I think at that price they might be worth a, a, a flyer. I obviously assume that you're not going to recommend taking a flyer on, on your St. Joe's Hawks or any of the teams playing in the first round who would need to win five games in five days to pull off a stunner. Yeah. They would need, they would need one of those like active God sec tournament tornado situations, play at different venues. Like they would need something insane to happen to win five in five days. So by looking at the first round matchups, LaSalle, taking on St. Joe's, a little big five action, and then Rhode Island, Duquesne. Uh, Duquesne really faded down the stretch. But for, if you want to comment on that game, feel free to. But I have to ask you about your Hawks. They just – I almost bet them, and thank God I didn't against LaSalle, that they completely melted down. Um, anything in that matchup or in that game that interests you? You know, the beginning of this season, I, I had some hope, hopes, you know, what they were doing, particularly, you know, they get back-to-back big five wins against Penn and Temple, and I'm starting to feel optimistic, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Things have just fallen apart for them down the stretch, and in terms of being able to score, it has gotten so ugly. You know, 52 against St. Bonaventure, sure, 48 against LaSalle. I think for that reason alone, um, I'm going to sell on them. This is a pass for me. Usually, I, I like them to to show a little pride, particularly in an intercity you know matchup here. But uh, I'm going to stay far away from St. Joe's and hope maybe they can take advantage of the transfer market, get some some better talent in here next year because offensively it just dried up to the point where you know early in the season between Hall and Funk, like. You know, they had some good pieces. I think at this point, they have four scores over 12 points per game. I don't know where that scoring is going, you know, when the rubber hits the road, but they just certainly haven't shown that down the stretch. Are you a fan of the coaching situation at St. Joe's? I am not. Uh, I'm not delusional about uh, the, you know, the kind of job that this is, but I do think in terms of pitching it, you know, opening up to new candidates, it's a program that it's the number one you know, sport at the school. There's a lot of buy-in with the alumni base. You know, the school itself has improved its prestige and, you know, its regional draw. So I think it's in as good a position as it can be vis-a-vis some of the other, we'll call it, you know, outside of the top three jobs in the A-10. I think it could be right there. So I would love to see them go after, you know, an assistant from a high major who can recruit and go ahead and particularly recruit, you know, Philly, Wilmington, Chester, you know, the areas around there you can pull talent out of there they've certainly done in the past year nelson was a chester kid so you don't have to travel very far to get a talented roster on the court um but i, I would love to see st joe's go in a different direction yeah like how do you not get uh and just he has a chance to dance how do you not get jameer nelson jr um like, that's a good point crazy by the way that uh what was it st joe's led in that game man it was ugly they scored they're up 39 24 with 18 to go and to LaSalle and they lost 49 48 they had nine points for the final 18 minutes lost by one laying one brutal if you had it by the way shout out to Tulsa for that half court shot uh so let's uh speaking of Tulsa let's bring in someone from Tulsa Colin Wilson who was on that bet as well dry horn at the horn incredible moment that I needed uh, that just made me feel so much better going into March. We're, Colin has decided to join us. Are you done taking notes on the 90s Arkansas basketball team? Woo, pig suey. You know, as I sit here in my must-bust t-shirt, my Razorback hat, I had to do everything I could not to take them to win the SEC tournament. So everybody would be happy to know that this is a very uh, contrarian Arkansas analysis about to come. There's no homerism whatsoever because, frankly, we're outside of Bud Walton Arena. So uh, who knows what's about to happen. All right, well, let's talk the SEC tournament. That's why we brought you in. Here, it just means more. March 9th through the 13th in Tampa. Buys Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas with your double buys here. Kentucky is the favorite at plus 200. Auburn, plus 270. Tennessee, plus 370. Arkansas, plus 700. LSU, 11 to 1. Alabama, 16 to 1. Those might be... 
maybe some intriguing long shots. Other than that, I mean, Mississippi State 45 to one. And then you're getting into teams that I just don't think are capable of beating, you know, three elite teams after, you know, and then four and four days. So that's as far as we go, but maybe you'll mention one of them. When you first look at this bracket, I mean, I think the thing that jumps out to me is just the potential for the semis, like the Auburn-Arkansas rematch. But can Arkansas get by LSU? Um, And they just played a really tight game. And then the potential for Kentucky-Tennessee part three could be an electric semis day in the SEC tournament. Um, What are your thoughts on the overall bracket and uh, what are you looking at? I think I think there's a lot of things that we need to talk about because the SEC tournament I think is different than everything else that we've seen. It just means more. I mean, it just means more. I don't even understand going back to Tampa to play this, but what you know. uh, But uh, you know, listen. I I think this is the one tournament where you can pretty much pencil in the top four teams into the semifinals, with the exception of number five Auburn in 2019, and as an East number six seed in 2008 for Georgia. A top four seed has won this tournament every year since 1994. So in Georgia, there was like hurricanes. We were just talking about needing hurricanes and acts of God and changes of venue. Um, That happened that year when Georgia won it. Right. So I don't see anything happen. I'll have to check the radar map. We're back in college football season. (laughs) Hurricanes in Tampa, but I mean, only three seats. To to just to like underline that. Only three teams outside the top four have ever even made the championship game since 1994. So we can sit here and talk about how much I love how Vanderbilt's playing. They have the second best efficiency over the last 30 days. I think they're going to beat Georgia. I think they have a great chance to beat number six seed Alabama, but they're going to run into a wall with Kentucky. As much as I'd like to talk about that, I think it'd be a waste of time to say that anybody's going to jump into these semifinals. The LSU, Arkansas, LSU, does right, before you move on from that though, because Alabama is an intriguing future just because they shoot a ton of three, so it's a high variance team, which is what you want to look for. But right. I, but here's the thing: they haven't matched up well with Kentucky. I mean, they went three for thirty one one game, and then they ended up blowing a big lead when Kentucky was severely shorthanded. And they're gonna have to play a back to back. But people you forget Vandy's not a given, so keep that in mind with Alabama. It's not a given that Alabama we Vandy that variance can work the other way as well. But get right. Yeah, and I, I think this is one conference where they are – this is, you know, defined by Ken Palm, this is the third strongest conference when it comes to home court advantage. And what that means is, is going in and getting a road win is a really big deal in the SEC. We know that every year. That's why I always wait live for Arkansas to be down before halftime and then firing on them live, you know, with plus money because it's just an automatic in this league. And when you look at that, you really want to take into consideration what's your against the spread record on the road. Are you not phased by, you know, uh, student sections pounding on top of you and referees that are biased by that? Arkansas, seven and two against the spread on the road this year. Vandy, eight and three and one against the spread on the road this year. Tennessee, seven and four. Now, the worst teams, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, by far the worst teams on the road against the spread. So as much as I tried to build a case for Alabama, I really think Vanderbilt has a great shot to upset them coming into this. So, you know, I, you know, if we're talking live betting, I know that there's one thing that I put in my, when I put my plays on the action app, I'll say, if this is one of those teams, it's one of the streakiest in all of college basketball, because frankly, I don't think you should play pregame bets on teams that have major 10 O swings in their game. That team is Tennessee, Arkansas and Florida are just right outside that bubble. So you know, Tennessee is a team that can give up a 10-0 run and put on a 10-0 run uh, right away. And I think from an efficiency standpoint, just a couple other notes before we break down, say, the semifinals. Uh, you know, the hottest team over the last month by far, Arkansas, their net plus 3.2 in Bayesian performance. That's uh, your efficiency rating. Uh, and then, you know, right behind them is Vanderbilt at plus 2.8. And then the worst teams over the past month, the ones that are trending down, Mississippi State. Florida, thanks for the non-cover against Kentucky the other day. Uh, Ole Miss, they, they've by far been the worst teams over the past month of play, so it's interesting to see where their heads are at. And, you know, as far as the top four seeds go, this is where you and I can start talking semifinals. Arkansas beat LSU twice. I, I think LSU took themselves out of those games. Um, you know, the Tigers yeah, so had, what, what do you think about – what do you think about round three? Well, I, I think LSU had a perfect, perfect game plan. Perfect game plan. They use Tari Eason to defend the rim, and you have to do that. Arkansas attacks the rim almost more than in the nation, and they put you know Xavier Pinson on J.D. Notte and shut him down, didn't allow him to get a shot. 
that's how you beat Arkansas. LSU just made really, really bad mistakes in the last 10 minutes of that game, and you just can't do that, uh, especially on Arkansas's home court. So, yes, LSU has a chance, but this isn't the only time that they've screwed up. LSU just plays themselves out of games. I don't understand what it is. They're one of the best defensive teams, not just in the SEC, but in the nation, and they just play themselves out of games with with, with well, A lot of dumb fouls, a lot of dumb yeah. fouls. Yeah, and you can't send Arkansas to the line. Now, they get to the line more than almost anybody in the nation, and they shoot at a high rate from the charity stripe. So, you know, Arkansas beat them twice. I'll take Arkansas into the semis. Kentucky beat Bama by by nine at home. I, you know, I don't even know if Bama's going to be the team there. Tennessee swept South Carolina. They beat Mississippi State, so I'm not sure there can be an upset there. And Auburn did lose to Florida by one in Gainesville on February 19th. But this Gators team is just a sinking ship right now, uh, even with whatever home court advantage you want to think when you get from Gainesville down to Tampa. So I think the top four seeds are definitely in the semifinals. Yeah, I think that the biggest chance for an upset is LSU, Arkansas. Um, and then, you know, Auburn obviously wants major revenge against Arkansas after getting yeah. literally dunked on their face to end that game. Um, I think Kentucky, Tennessee, part three, they split the regular season two blowouts. Uh, Kentucky was a bit shorthanded for one. Um, I think Kentucky ends up winning this tournament and beating Auburn, this is the Kentucky Invitational. That's my prediction. I think it's a chalky SEC tournament. Do you have any futures here, and what is your prediction? Yeah, I actually am going to go against you there, and I can't believe I'm doing it because this is Kentucky's tournament. It's always been Kentucky's tournament. Uh, I'll start first with Auburn and Arkansas in the semifinal. You know, you're right. The Hogs won in overtime. Walker Kessler fouled out of that game in overtime, and that's when the Hogs really took off. So that probably won't happen again. Uh, Auburn had 24 offensive rebounds and 36 defensive rebounds in that game and still lost because they committed 19 turnovers. Uh, and like I said, you can't send Arkansas to the line. They shot 81% on 32 free throws. They're not going to get that kind of ref advantage again with the fouls yeah. in the SEC tournament. So Arkansas's offense is based upon transition, cut, and finishing at the rim. That is a really bad combination against an Auburn defense that is third in defending cut plays. They're 12th in the nation and defending plays at the rim with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler. Uh, and, our, and you know, on the Auburn offensive side, they're heavy on isolation and they love to shoot off dribble threes. Arkansas is 139th in defending isolation, 94th in off dribble threes on defensively. Effort gets Arkansas a long way. They're the one, they, I mean, they just bust numbers in a spreadsheet up because of how much hustle they have in Eric Musselman. But at the same time, they don't have what it takes to beat Auburn on a neutral site. So, I'm going to go with Arkansas there. Now, the big game where I had a hard time, the reason why, you know, uh, I was a little a couple minutes late joining the, the program here is because I just could not figure out a winner between Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, eventually, you know, they split each other, and Tennessee's been hot down the stretch, third best overall efficiency through the past month in the SEC. Uh, Kentucky's dealt with injuries, Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler. Uh, we, we don't know how, you know, full strength that they are. Uh, but Kentucky's going to want this game in transition. They're third in frequency and 22nd in mid-range jumpers. Tennessee's 231st in transition defense. So that's how you beat the Volunteers. So we'll see if Kentucky's going to push tempo. But, you know, Kentucky is most efficient in post-ups with Oscar Tshibwe, probably the best player in the nation. But Tennessee's 19th in defending post-ups. So at least they do have some sort of defense that they can throw in there in front of Big O. Uh, and the three biggest frequency plays for Tennessee on the offensive side, they like to run screens. They do catch and shoot threes and they do dribble threes and all of that is set up by threes. So I'm sorry, by screens. So that, that plays right into a Kentucky defense. That's top 40 against screens and catch and shoot threes where Kentucky gets in trouble on the defensive side of the ball is against dribble threes. So if Tennessee is pushing tempo, they're using screens and they're hitting dribble threes, they're going to have success and they could win the game. So I ultimately went with Tennessee. Uh, they've been hot down the stretch. I shouldn't go against Kentucky. Kentucky's still dealing with injuries. They might be fully 100% healthy. You and I talked about this on the pod last week. I have no clue where this team is health-wise, but to how hot Tennessee has been, I'm going to take them here. And then once you get past that, Tennessee-Auburn, everything for me is advantage Tennessee. Tennessee's defense is 32nd in efficiency against dribble threes, and they're 15th against isolation plays. That's all they do with Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith is isolation plays, and they have dribble. They do dribble off the three. Tennessee is, you know, highly ranked, top 35 in both those categories. You switch to the other side. Auburn defense, they're middling in Division One against catch-and-shoot threes and screens, which is all that Tennessee does. Neither team really has an advantage in bench minutes. We have to talk about this in these tournaments. This will be day three in this game. 
Arkansas is outside the top 300 in bench minutes. I can't take Arkansas future when you're outside the top 300 on a day three of a tournament going through this kind of schedule. So when you look at bench yeah, minutes, and your first two likely opponents going to be LSU and Auburn, like up and down games. Like. Right, right. So that, that's another reason why, you know, Auburn and Tennessee just inside the top 100 uh, in bench minutes, they should be fresh. Kentucky around 217th, I think. So not a bit, you know, if they make it in, they might be tired. Who knows with the, with the injuries, uh, you know, so you know, I'm going to take Tennessee, you know, over three to one odds to win the SEC. I think they're going to make the finals. Um, you could definitely hedge that uh, against Kentucky. I wouldn't hedge it in the finals against Auburn whatsoever. Auburn's just that defense, the fact that they can't handle screens and catch and shoot threes. They're so good at other things like interior paint. Like, I mean, Walker Kessler is just a madman. I'd love to see him and Chet Holmgren go at it in the national championship game. But against Tennessee, it's just not what they do. So I'm going to ultimately take Tennessee over three to one odds, I think are good. You can hedge a little bit of that against the semifinal against Kentucky. And I don't care who comes out of Auburn or Arkansas. Arkansas doesn't have the gas in the tank. I can't believe I'm saying that about a team that's always like on fire and just up in your face. Uh, and then at the same time, Auburn just, you know, losing in Bud Walton Arena. There's no shame in that. I mean, you, you're your best player fouled out. You're just not going to have those circumstances again. So give me Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, one thing that could, the injuries for Kentucky could be interesting. I'm not, I, I as, as my only future national title future, I hope that they lose, like to win a couple of games and lose. I think it's better for next week just get healthy. That's really the only thing that matters. But I think that they're, I think that they're clearly the best team in the SEC and clearly, you know, a couple points better than yeah. Auburn. Their their metrics are just deflated because they've dealt they've all almost all of their key games they've had one of their key players out um, either mid game or before the game get hurt. Um, and still look where they're at the, so yeah, the, the, the one good thing, if you are taking Tennessee, I think that they should get to the semis and Kentucky, as I mentioned, you know, can Vander, can Alabama get by Vanderbilt, but if they do, it's a high variance team. It's going to shoot a ton of threes. They hit 23s. They can take out Kentucky. And then that would obviously work in Tennessee's favor. Um, all right. So you're going with Rocky top. Yep. Good stuff on the SEC. Mike, do you have anything else to add on the SEC? I, I like Kentucky. I do think Tennessee, um, having put it together, including that win over Auburn down the stretch, it looks great, but it's not on their home floor. I know, obviously, they don't have to travel to another SEC arena, but I think when you look back on their season, the games that when you know they played good teams on the road, you know they lose to Texas, they lose to Arkansas, um, they had a few other struggles along the way. I just I, I don't have the same enthusiasm. I think the stats are there, but I think in the rematch, I think Kentucky's going to get the best of them. So I'm not sure how I'm going to play it. I, probably not just a pure future on Kentucky. I may take some, you know, take a shot against the spread in the first round and then roll those winnings over and just go money line, money line down the stretch. Um, but I'm on big blue nation. Yeah. Kentucky. I, I don't see any value in the future. They're plus 200. You know, if they play Alabama, probably be around a seven point favorite. Then you play Tennessee, probably be like a three and a half point favorite. And then if you play Auburn, you're they'll probably be like a two one two point favorite. So you're talking like minus three fifty, minus one sixty, minus one twenty. You parlay all those together, it's like plus two two ninety three hundred. So that's three to one. Now you could have some upsets, and that could get a little lower, but it's not going to go much lower than than two to one. I, I you know you're going to have to beat three top twenty teams. Um, and, um, so excuse me, you're going to be two top 20 teams in a row, and then you're going to play an Alabama team. Well, they'll probably only be like seven, eight point that, yeah, seven, eight point favorites. Um, and I'm okay in that spot playing them against the spread, because I think if they beat Bama, they're going to crush them or to your point, yeah. you know, Bama hits 17 threes and they lose outright. I, I'm fine with that big middle. I, I don't, I think it's pretty binary. I think up, they either run away with it or they get upset. Yeah. Yeah, I think right. one thing I want to yeah, throw no. about that Tennessee-Kentucky game, because I think it's the most important game in the entire bracket. I, I'm not sure if anybody thinks Auburn or Arkansas is going to win this thing. So if that de facto semifinal is going to be the where the futures are all going to be, then the way I'm going to play this is I'm going to take Tennessee over three to one. And remember what I said at the beginning is this is one of the streakiest teams in the nation. So when they go on that 10-0 run against Kentucky, it's going to be a great time for me to load up and hedge that Tennessee future, because uh, you know that run's going to come mid-game at some point. Yep. All right. Good stuff on the SEC. Colin, feel free to – well, BJ, do you have any thoughts before we close it up? 
Uh, not really. I think the, I think the top four seeds, uh, they're not providing that much value. I totally agree with Collins' uh, assessment on Tennessee in terms of their streakiness. They could streak right through this and win the entire tournament, or they could bow out right away. So to, taking a flyer on them is definitely worth a shot, but also Kentucky is the best team in this conference. So, But definitely not touching them at two, at two to one. If anything, probably Alabama just as a flyer at 15 to one uh, and hope they get hot from three uh, which would be where I would go in the SEC. All right, good stuff. We got two conferences left. Let's go. Let's go to the Mac. Max yourself. Who's the Mac? BJ, I'll go to you for the Mac. I think it's a it's a pretty interesting conference. It's pretty straightforward. You know, there's just eight teams and they play a bracket. That's it. There's no buys or anything. Uh, eight teams qualify. This will be played at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse in Cleveland, Ohio. From March 10th to the 12th, Toledo is the one seed and the favorite. Kent State is the two seed. And they're like, we can find, I think, like five to one out there. Toledo's, I think, closer to like plus 150. Kent State swept Toledo. They're the hottest team in the conference, the best defense. Sincere carries an absolute animal. And their defense is just swarming. They can really stop you at the rim as well. Like I mentioned, they swept Toledo. They're the hottest team on the other side of the bracket. Then you have Buffalo, really disappointing season. They're kind of in the same mold as like Bonnie's and Richmond, right? Like senior laden team, some expectations didn't meet them. Can they suddenly, you know, it's like fresh start. Let's just win this and get to the dance. Just got to win three games. Um, Can they beat Toledo? The, The game they played against Toledo at home was Buffalo got hot, but it was all against the dregs of the conference and then they got crushed at home against Toledo. Pretty deflating result, but new life here. And then you have Ohio, who really faded down the stretch. They have incredible offense at times this year with Mark Sears and company, but they had some ugly results down the stretch. Can they pick it up? Is this Toledo's to lose and just stay away? Is Buffalo worth a shot? Is uh, I think Kent State has some value at five to one the way they're playing. What do you say? Yeah, Kent State is very, very interesting. So, yeah, 12 straight wins coming down the stretch here. The thing is, if you look at shot quality, five of those games say they should have lost, but still, the the results were pretty close, so it really could have gone either way. Where I'm kind of looking at this, Akron at 12-1 to is pretty interesting. Uh, They're going to be one-point underdogs against Buffalo in their first game, but you're essentially getting them double the price. They play like a fucking snail. Like they, yeah, they're so they'll get the so, ball and they'll just they'll wait, they'll walk. So like that's when you're looking for some long shots, three pointers, when a lot of three pointers increase the variance, or a team that just crawls the game because then you have fewer possessions, which also increases the variance. Right. So in the, the other thing about the zips are they get to the free throw line at the fifth highest rate in the country, and they're 14th in terms of finishing at the rim. So you play that slow pace. You get to the rim, you can get a and lot. And they shoot of, a lot of threes. They shoot and they a lot of shoot threes. Lot of threes. So it's a re- team really built to take out one of these teams, one of the bigger teams like Toledo or Buffalo in the first round. So at 12 to 1, it's a pretty good price. You know, if you look down the stretch, they they won their last five games. You go back further than that, they had a three-game losing streak. But per shot quality, they should have won all three of those games. So essentially, they should have finished the season on a nine-game winning streak. And we could be talking about them like we're talking about Kent State right now. So Akron at 12 to one is incredibly interesting for me. I'm definitely not touching Toledo at, at plus one Oh five. It's a team that pretty much pretty overachieved pretty drastically throughout the season. A lot of games that they should have uh, lost went their way. Ohio is like you mentioned, is very interesting, very high variance team shoots a ton of threes, really good, efficient offense. They could rip right through this tournament and, and wouldn't shock me one bit. If you're looking for yeah, a but long- they, they closed the year losing to at Bowling Green, a Bowling Green yeah. team that is, done decimated can't stop anybody right they and then they lost the, uh, at northern illinois to close the year Too right it's the, and results. that's the very and that's the variance that you know you're talking about because you've seen them you know van police and those guys have just gone berserk in some games against the top of the conference and you're like oh my gosh it's the best offense out there and then they start to fade a little bit so very very high variance offense you know at four to one it's probably too low of a price to, to play that type of variance if you're looking for a long shot, uh, Miami, Ohio is a little bit interesting at 50 to one. You know, they lost Delonte Brown for six games during the, the conference play. So their stats are, you know, uh, a little bit under undervalued in my opinion, they are going to be about seven point underdogs to Kent state uh, in, in the first game. It's a team that underachieved a great deal. They're 
team, they have good spacing, good shot making. Don't turn the ball over that often. Yeah, they shoot a lot of threes. They, they, they shoot can't a lot stop of threes. a nose, nosebleed. Yeah, they, they can't they, stop they anything. But at 50 to one, you know, that's that's essentially what you're paying for right there is the team that can't defend, but, you know, hope they get hot in that first round. So Akron and Miami of Ohio are the two I'm kind of looking at. Buffalo, the price is too low. It's six to one for me to play that. Kent State, if it rises up to, you know, f- uh, plus 550, uh, I might end up looking at that, but I do think that there's a little bit of negative regression coming for them, uh, but definitely not playing Toledo or whatsoever. And Ohio is just too high of a variance team at four to one. So Akron at 12 to one and uh, uh, a sprinkle on Miami, Ohio at 50 to one are my two for the back. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to take a sprinkle on a team, like an offense like Miami, Ohio, which can be hot, this is this is a bracket where there's no advantage to the top teams. Like it's just eight teams. You just have to win three games. That's it, and then you're in. Um, which I, I don't like. I think that you should reward the one seed more. Um, and I guess there's not a huge difference in the MAC, but like what the WAC does, like because you, you, your conference gets paid for tournament wins, so you want to make sure that you get your top teams in, not some some dreg that gets hot from three and then goes to the tournament and then gets gets crushed by sixty. Uh, Mike, any thoughts on the MAC? I agree with the Akron play. That's my one play on this tournament. Um, you mentioned the the snail pace and, you know, their bigs, I think, give them a little bit of a, a different component to the way they're playing between Ali and Freeman. On top of it, when you dig into their stat shot quality, you know, they're top 40 in terms of the shot quality shot selection for their opponents. So they're not giving up good looks. And when you combine that with the pace of they're playing at every single stop is a little bit more valuable. So I, I agree. That's the one I'm playing for this conference. Yeah. And Brian Trimble, the ex St. John's transfer, he hasn't played in, I don't know, five or six games and they've won them all. And they, like some of the things I've read on uh, about Akron, like internal things and, it's like addition by subtraction, um, which might be the case with him. Uh, Colin, any thoughts on the Mac? Yeah, I definitely think that this is an Akron Kent State final. If you look at the efficiency ratings over the past 30 days, uh, Akron, Kent State, Toledo are the top three uh, in the conference, with Kent State really being the highest. They've just been on fire, including wins over Akron twice. Uh, and beating Toledo by 13 on the road on Toledo's floor. But I do think this is going to be an Akron-Kent State final. And even though, you know, Kent State has beaten Akron twice, there's just so many things that, uh, you know, from a shot quality perspective that stick out for me in Akron's favor. Kent State is known for their unbelievably great off-screen efficiency, top 25 in the nation. Uh, But there's so many things that Akron does that absolutely Kent State cannot uh, defend. You look at – Akron being sixth in efficiency in pick and roll. Uh, you see 14th in efficiency and finishing at the rim. Those are two areas that Kent State cannot defend whatsoever uh, in some of their splits on shot quality. So I agree with you guys. I'm going to go with Akron here to beat Kent State. I think a future on both of them will pay off. Yeah, I think Kent State has something special working um, with, you know, I mean, they, they also didn't have Giovanni Santiago for uh, a stretch. He's uh yeah, he could come in and just give them instant offense. He's on the Puerto Rican national team. But Sincere Carey is just a flamethrower. And then they have dudes inside, and then they can defend all over. It just seems like this team is – I mean, they've won 12 straight. Some of the wins that they've had, impressive fashion. If they get in, I, I wouldn't want to play this team. Um, they, they could uh, pull off an upset or two. It's probably their ceiling, but an interesting team. All right, let's close things out with one final conference, our final one in our seven-part college basketball conference tournament betting preview. We got the AAC. The AAC. Now I want every bit of information that you've got in this, every lead. Is that clear? The AAC became a lot more interesting. I think uh, Memphis dominated, dominated Houston to close out the regular season. And I think completely lock up a at-large bid, regardless of what happens this weekend. Buys here, Houston, Temple, Tulane, SMU, and Memphis. By the way, this tournament will be paid March 10th through the 13th uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. Houston is the favorite at minus 120. Memphis, 4-1. to one. SMU, plus 650. Tulane, 10-1. Some injury concerns with Tulane. Um, Wichita State, 20-1. to one. UCF, 25-1. to one. Cincy, 30-1. to one. 
So when I look at this conference, like I was like, I love I'm this Memphis team is trending up. I want to get them. You know, they they played Houston tough this year. They pressed them. They did it again. But you know, now that they're locked in the tournament, you're if they meet again, like you're gonna get angry Houston. And now Memphis just has like, all right, they're gonna have a dud written all over them. So and and the price came down. So it's four to one. So I, I want nothing to do with Memphis here. I don't want Houston either. I know they're gonna be angrier, but they don't have depth. And like you gotta win three games in three days. That scares me. Um, and if they do run into Memphis, I mean Memphis, like, even though yeah, Memphis, there's a reason Memphis won both meetings. They were pressed, they were pressing them and their turnovers and their length gave them a lot of issues. I Mike, did, like if I was looking for a long shot here, honestly, like Houston looked exhausted against Memphis and they just don't have depth and they just, they, I, they might be on fumes. Cincy 30 to one, if you could find that or better, if you want to just a fun future team that's disappointed, but has talent, they'll be like plus 500 versus Houston. So if they win that game, the, the whole bracket is wide open. Um, and then they could easily win it. They would have got to win two more games after that. But you're talking about like a Memphis team that could have it done at any point in time. And this is a, like, you know, maybe that's a, for fun. I don't see it happening, but um, Memphis beating Houston, how they did kind of spoiled a lot of the fun I wanted to have with this one. What do you say? Yeah, I, I think Houston is leaking a little bit of oil down the stretch, but this is a team, the last three AAC tournaments, they're seven and two. They got, you know, to the title game in all three of those. They're elite offensive rebounding team. You know, Josh Carlton makes that work, chipping in almost three and a half offensive rips per game. They don't give up a lot of three-point looks. Uh, they're fourth in that department in terms of clean looks from three in the entire country. But very quickly, my eyes, you know, focused in on Memphis and SMU. I want to discuss those two. So Memphis at four to one, obviously they're trending in the right direction and playing great basketball, 10 and one in their last 11. Duran, Nally um, have really taken over for them. And they're great on the offensive glass. They have the 11th highest uh, foul shot rate in the entire country. So you get some stability there. But in my opinion, they give away all of those gains from a consistency standpoint, winning three games in three days with all their turnovers. They're 353rd nationally in, in giveaways. And when you look at this streak that they're on, the last 11 games, I assumed, having not dug into the stats um, you know, before yesterday, that they cleaned up that element of their game. But they still, even in some of these wins, they had 19 turnovers, 20 turnovers. Eight. They're going to get burned. I don't think they're going to get burned in the quarters, but I think they're going to get burned by an SMU team that has a, a lot to offer. They swept Memphis this year in terms of you know getting there. They swept Tulsa. Um, they did get hammered by Wichita on the road, but I think they get out of the quarters. And once they meet the Tigers, there's a lot about you know the ponies that I like. When it comes to getting to the rim or shooting three-pointers, they're top, tops in the AAC, 29th nationally. So that's where the vast majority of their shots come from. They got four starters averaging double digits. The Weathers twins, you know, together are putting in 23 points, 13 rebounds. They're elite from a defensive rebounding standpoint. The Weathers twins have a lot to do with that. They also can get to the line. They make their foul shots. Kendrick Davis, one of the top point guards in the entire country in NBA efficiency, um, according to team ratings, he's one of the best point guards in the entire country, averaging close to 20 and five. I really like this team. I think it's because Memphis, it's been such a dramatic turnaround with a young team. And Penny, you know, was probably fending off some rumors that, you know, the college game just wasn't for him. Then all of a sudden, you know, you win 10 of 11 and now you're the toast of the town. SMU's won six of eight, six of eight down the stretch. And that includes wins over Houston, Memphis, Tulane. So, I think the wrong team is getting hyped up here. I'm going to go ahead and play us a new plus 550 because I agree with your assessment of Houston. I think there's something wrong with them. They, you know, to state the obvious, not having Marcus Sasser has hurt them so deeply for a team that probably would have legit final four aspirations if he was healthy, but because they don't have them, I don't see them winning three straight. So I'm going to go ahead and grab uh, the Mustangs. Yeah. All their injuries that just, I think are just catching up. Um, now they're still able to just do, like just crush teams on the offense, like these bad teams on the offensive glass, and just dominate them, right? Like you, you'll see them win by forty over like South Florida or Temple, or and that's going to improve their efficiency margin a lot. But you've seen this like at SMU when they lost, at Memphis when they get dominated. You can see the signs, and there's just no depth, which is really going to hurt in three games in three days. I don't even know if Samson really wants to win this, um, like. Obviously, you're going to try when you go out there. But I think at the back of his mind, he's like, man, we are gassed. Like, 
losing to Cincy wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. You get a week off before the tournament. Um, so, uh, BJ, anything on the ASC? Are you a, are you a believer in Memphis? Like Memphis will be a, a, a wild team in, in, in the bracket because it's like, they have so much athleticism. By the way, I've heard people talk about Amani Bates coming back. No, like they, they finally figured everything out. Yeah. Um, but uh, you believe her in, in Memphis. Do you, are you, you think you agree with us that Houston's kind of fading here? Yeah. Houston, the injuries seem to have caught up with them. And just like you said, something's wrong. Memphis, clearly the talent is starting to pay off. It wasn't there in the beginning of the season. Now you're starting to see the actual talent that Memphis has, and they're going to be dangerous come the NCAA tournament. But I agree with you, Stucky. I think the price is way too low to take him here in the tournament. Wichita State is kind of interesting as a flyer, uh, 20 to one. They're going to play SMU in the second round. SMU is literally the streakiest team in the country. So like Mike's assessment, they could run through this tournament and beat Memphis and beat Houston. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, this is this SMU, SMU team is great. Or they could lose a uh, pretty hor- horrific fashion to Wichita State in the second round. So uh, that that's where I'd be going. Uh, don't hate a shot on Cincinnati uh, beating beating Houston either. So uh, I think in this type of type of uh, tournament, I think a long shot is the way to go. Yeah, I would have went UCF. Uh, like this was this was going to be a team like Bonnie's Buffalo, right? Experienced team, but they're not as experienced as those teams. But just a team that has experience with a lot of expectations that didn't meet them. So like this is their fresh start. And they get to go in after losing on a, a Tulsa heartbreaker, but they lost Mayhem, and there's something off with that team this year. I can't put my finger on it. Colin, any thoughts? You gonna take a flyer on Tulsa? Ride the Jariah Horn magic? I don't think I'll ever lay a bet on Tulsa again. That was excruciating yesterday. I uh, there was <laughs> the what led up to that three point shot. It was amazing. What do you mean? They were down by like 20, I think, at some point in that game. It was it was one of those games where it's like I'm gonna go take a walk. I'll come back later. I think if you're if you like SMU, you got to worry about that Wichita State matchup. But you know, I like to really put an increase on the last month of play during your conference and who's hottest. And that would be Memphis and Tulane by far. Uh, Tulane on the offensive side, a plus four point nine for a, a Bayonesian rating performance, uh, and then Memphis from the defensive side, a plus three point six. But they're also plus two point two. Those two teams are by far just. From an efficiency standpoint, they have been the best teams. They're on opposite sides of the bracket. If we think Houston is out of gas, uh, Tulane, I know that they had an overtime game and that they lost to Temple on the road, but Tulane has the defense needed, uh, at least on a uh, neutral court, to take care of Temple because Temple is really offensively inept. Their only play they really run is uh, is a mid-range jumper, and that's a, a defensive stat that Tulane is ranked 19th in. So I like Tulane to advance there. If we assume they get past Houston, I like them in the finals against Memphis. So I wouldn't be opposed to laying a half unit on both of those teams. Uh, I think those are the two teams. And, and when you have athleticism like Memphis, we talk about this with Kentucky and the SEC all the time. Like you just have the athleticism to rise above your numbers and play to the level of your competition if it's somebody really low. So it's hard. It's a tough handicap with Memphis, but I'm going to say this is a Tulane Memphis uh, final. It just feels to me personally that Memphis is going to just have a dud now. Like it's just who Memphis is like they're now they're in the tournament. So it's like, they're going to, who are they playing in the first round? UCF will beat them. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> UCF is going to be Memphis. I mean, I last, think, all the last second three. It's very, very Memphis esque that they'll lose the, this first game after beating Houston and like basically clinching their tournament spot. So on that end, maybe you look at UCF um, because if you think that Memphis is going to just lay an egg, but I just think without Mayhem, it's tough. By the way, fouling, I, I feel like Mike would have a, a, a re, before we get out of here, a really hot take and passionate feel uh, on one side or the other on this. Foul up three or not? Always, 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 always. And you have to pair it with do not let teams roll the ball up the damn court when time is at a premium. I don't understand. What do they think? It's Allen Iverson's going to pick it up and blow by them. Like there's probably, I can count on one hand, the amount of guards that I'd actually worry about. If you go up to challenge them, they're going to pick it up and then it's going to be a five on four the rest of the way. It's infuriating. It's like, it's like NFL coaches who don't understand time management. It's the same concept where it's like, this should be, you know, the third chapter of the coaching playbook for college basketball. Like when you should foul, it should be a card. It should be a yes or no situation. Always foul up three. All right. Good stuff. That wraps up part seven of our conference. tournament. Make sure you check out the other episodes. If you haven't, there's still some, there's three relevant episodes that came out early Monday morning. I did one with Jim Root, one with Kyle McEwen and one with 
Matty Cox, the guys from the three-man weave, were recovered 11 conferences. We took care of five today, the Big Ten, MAC, A-10, AAC, and the SEC. Thanks to Colin for joining us. Thanks, as always, for Mike and BJ for joining me on each and every Monday. Thanks to all of you for listening and for subscribing, unsubscribing, subscribing, leave a review. Yeah, we don't have an episode later in the week, so we won't obviously know the games. So that's it for Big Bets on Campus podcast this week. We will have a Big Bets on Campus live episode on Twitter. Enjoy the conference tournament action. Let's get some winners. We will be back right here next week for March Madness, starting with our Selection Sunday episode, which will be out before you wake up on Monday morning. After Selection Sunday, we'll record our exhaustive two-part round one betting preview covering every game. Also, have a Best Bets episode from Three Man Weed as well. And if that's not enough for you, check out the Action Network podcast because new this season, we'll have Sean Kerner and his team doing March Madness player props episodes as well. So between Big Bets on Campus and the Action Network podcast, we've got you covered. Good luck to you. Enjoy the madness. And we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Cheers.